Well, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13 this morning. And let me encourage you to do that. We are in, if you're new with us, we are in a 10-week series, this being the third week, in a series that we have entitled Champion, reminding ourselves that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and myself as a follower of Jesus Christ, and what we mean by that is that you have placed your faith, your trust, not in the good that you have done or are doing, but in the good that Jesus Christ accomplished for you understanding that there's nothing that I can do to warrant favor with God, to warrant a relationship with God because he's holy and I'm sinful. So God sent Jesus Christ in my place to live a perfect life for me, to die the death that my sin deserved because of my sin. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, defeating victory or defeating death for me, spiritual death for me. Knowing that if I place my faith and trust in him, I can have a relationship with him and a home in heaven. That he defeated sin for me. He gave me a new destiny, replacing my destiny, which was hell, with his destiny, which is heaven and eternity with him. That if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is your champion. And if you're here today and you've never done that, man, I'm glad you're here today. Because God wants you to understand today of the love that he has for you and the desire that he has for you to put your trust in Jesus Christ so that you can walk out of these doors today knowing that you are a champion in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is your champion. And so we're walking through this chapter, Romans chapter 8, which is one of the most richest chapters in the Bible, I believe, really looking at that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, Christ followers, that we are not called to be victims, but we're called to be victors, not because of our strength, but because of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on our behalf so that we can live the life of a champion because Jesus Christ is our champion. And so we're going to be here in verses 9 through 13, but before I read it, as I was studying this week, I was just came across this poem by a man, T.S. Eliot. If you took any literature classes in college, and we have a lot of college students, so you may be taking them one of those classes right now, you're familiar with this name. He was one of the most well-known 20th century poets, and he wrote this, one of the most famous poems that he ever wrote called The Hollow Men. And I found it interesting as I looked at the lines of this poem, and I just want to read to you some of the beginning lines. He says this, we are the hollow men, we are the stuffed men, leaning together, headpiece filled with straw, shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. And as I read the lines of that poem, I thought, man, how true is that of myself before I came to put my trust in Jesus Christ? How true that is of every person before they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We're hollow. We're hollow because of our sin. And in every one of us, there is that space, some may say that God-sized void inside of us, that we are trying to fill with anything and everything, are we not? Think about, if you are a 
Christ follower, think about your life before you came to Christ. If you sit here today and you've never placed your trust in Christ, be honest with yourselves and think about this. Because if you haven't done that yet, you're trying to fill that void inside of you through possessions, through accomplishments, through certain types of pleasure. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say, even though I do those things and they seem to have an immediate gratification, it's still leaving me, to put it in T.S. Eliot's words, hollow. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that feeling. You remember who you were. And I'm so thankful that in the first eight verses of chapter eight, and where we're going to look at as we continue just this beautiful idea of what the gospel is and how it speaks to us in our everyday life. And us being able to look at these verses and remind ourselves that God's design for me as a follower of Jesus Christ is not to feel hollow, but to be spirit-filled, to experience contentment, to experience satisfaction, to experience joy, to experience victory, not to be hollow, but to be spirit-filled. And unfortunately, even us as followers of Jesus Christ, those of us in this room, that that would characterize you. That even though we have no reason to feel hollow because of who we are in Jesus Christ, I do this, you do this, we often drift back into following the things that never brought us satisfaction in the first place. We look to, even though we're a follower of Jesus Christ, even though our standing is a champion in Jesus Christ, even though we have the Holy Spirit to fill us every single day, we oftentimes find ourselves drifting back to looking for pleasures to fill us, looking for accomplishments to fill us, looking for possessions to fill us. And what you and I need to bring ourselves back to on a constant, regular basis is to remind ourselves of who we are. And that's the title of this message this morning, if you're taking notes. It's simply this, Identity Issues. Because I've found in my life that the single thing that I can trace back every single one of my struggles is that I lose sight of who I am in Jesus Christ. I lose sight of the identity given to me by God through Jesus Christ. And every one of us in this room have identity issues. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, as I already said, you're looking for whatever it is, pleasures, accomplishments, possessions, whatever it is to fill that void inside of you. And every one of our states before Christ were hollow. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, man, we, there's this battle to want to go after those things that never brought us satisfaction in the first place and to tie our identity to those things rather than who we are in Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at our identity in Jesus Christ in verses 9 through 13. So look, point your eyes to verse 9 in your Bibles. If you're there, say you're there. All right, let's start in verse 9. It says, you, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of him who raised 
Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are not debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We struggle with our identity. And so I just want us to pray real quick, to just for the Lord to help us. To have eyes to see what he wants us to see. To have ears to hear what he wants us to hear. And to have hearts to obey where he wants us to obey. Would you pray with me as I pray out loud? God, I pray today... That we would have those things that I just mentioned, God, that we would have your eyes to see, we would have your ears to hear, Lord, our heart would be your heart, that we would obey where you convict, where you challenge. And God, if there's someone in this room or some individuals in this room that have never placed their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, would you do a work in their life today? Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, Lord, we want to identify ourselves by anything and everything but the most important thing, the most precious thing, the most vital thing, and that is who we are in Jesus Christ. So God, would we walk out of this room today confident of who we are in Jesus Christ. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Here's a news flash. You ready for this? Here it is. The enemy wants to cause you to question your identity. Probably not a shock to you that the enemy wants you to question your identity. But chapter 8, that we've already looked at the first 8 verses, and now we'll look at the first 13 verses, that this chapter is meant To remind ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ who we are. Why? Because of this this idea. And it's the idea of this message. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down. I encourage you to write in your Bible and just write it next in the margin of your Bibles to these verses. It's this idea. Your identity shapes your reality. Last week we looked at the idea in the previous verses, verses 5 through 8, that my mentality reveals my identity. If you were here, you remember that. If you weren't here, you can watch that on our website, listen to it on our podcast. But my mentality reveals my identity because how I think reveals who I am. We looked at that last week, that if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I've been given a new mindset by the Holy Spirit. It's not that I'm perfect, but I will have a desire now to want to obey. I still can choose to disobey, but there's that desire to obey. There's that conviction when I disobey. So my mentality reveals my identity. But in these verses, what Paul wants us to get, what the Lord wants us to get through Paul, even better way to say it, is my identity shapes my reality. And I say that because how I see myself affects how I see God. It affects how I see his word. It affects how I see his church. It affects how I see his people. 
It affects how I see and love my wife. It affects how you love your husband. It affects how I see my children and how I love them. It affects the friendships that I have. Identity shapes my reality. And if my identity is skewed, then I promise you that my reality and how I perceive the world is skewed. Let me me get across the point this way. Think about when you meet someone new. This happens to me a lot. And, and I, I meet new people all the time, and, and I'm sure you do, well, do as well. And what's the first two questions that you ask when you're meeting a new person? The first one is, what is your name, right? First question you usually ask. Now, I need help from you, so, so I'm giving you runway to be ready for this when I ask it, okay? What's the second question that you usually ask? Yeah, what do you do? What's your name, and what do you do? It's a very innocent question. Like, nobody asks that question because there's necessarily something, like, deeper behind it. It's just a way you break the ice. What's your name, and what do you do? But as innocent as that question is, it often has ramifications in how we see ourselves. See, some of you, when you're asked that question, what do you do, you actually equate your identity to it. Well, I don't have a job, therefore I'm worthless. I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, therefore I'm worthless. I'm divorced, therefore I'm worthless. Well, I do this and I don't do this, therefore I see myself as worthless. And we could go on and on and on and on and on. And there's such danger in that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you're not defined by what you do. That's what we're going to see today. I'm not defined by what I do. And so really what we ought to do the next time we, someone asks us that question, though we don't necessarily need to verbalize it, we ought to internalize it, that the next time someone asks me, what's your name and what do you do? You know what I ought to say in my mind? I'm a champion of Jesus Christ and I pastor Harvest Bible Chapel in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. What do you do? I'm a champion in Jesus Christ. I work at this law firm. I'm a champion in Jesus Christ. I have the privilege to be, have the most awesome, most demanding job all, that there is. I stay at home and raise our kids. I'm a champion in Jesus Christ, and I'm a banker. I'm a champion in Jesus Christ, and I'm a teacher. I'm a champion in Jesus Christ, and I'm a plumber, or whatever it is, that the first thing that we equate ourselves to is not what we do, but who we are, because our identity shapes our reality. So important. And so what I want to do in this passage of Scripture, verses 9 through 13, is just give you three vital truths about who you are. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're watching this online or whether you're here right now, man, I want you to hear three vital truths about what God desires you to be. And what he offers for you in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So let's look at verses 9 and 10 and let's see the first thing that we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. Again, Paul says, you. Super important. Circle that. Because in verses 1 through 8, Paul is speaking 
in the third person. These are our realities. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The most amazing word in our Christian vocabulary is the word no. We looked at that the first week. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then he goes through what we have in the spirit. But now he gets personal. Because now he goes from the third person and now he goes in verse 9 and he says, Hey, you, those of you that are Christ followers, this is true about you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your name above the word you. You're going to get to know this real well by the end of this series that you ought to bring a pen in this room and get ready to write in your Bible. I want you to write your name above the word you. Because what I love is now all of a sudden when I do that, here's what Paul is saying. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand today. Johnny Pereira, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, Johnny, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Here's what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit is the evidence that validates my identity. There's no greater verse in all the Bible that says, when I place my trust in Jesus Christ, I immediately get the Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit of him, All of him. And the thing that I look to to give me the assurance that I am a follower of Jesus Christ is the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. Every follower, say every, every follower of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what we see in the text. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Here's what we need to understand. Paul again contrasts that you're not in the flesh. That's who you used to be. You're now in the Spirit. And even in that contrast, here again, I'm reminded of the gospel that I was on the mat, to use the boxing analogy to keep it going. I was on the mat before I came to Christ, out for the count, out cold, and my record was zero and however many sins I committed. That was me. And the only thing that I got because of my record was death. Spiritually and physically. That's who I was. I used to be in the flesh. But the amazing thing is, is that as I look at this passage of Scripture, what I'm reminded is now... I'm not in the flesh, but I'm in the spirit. See, what makes me a champion is not my record. I couldn't win. I couldn't be perfect. I couldn't meet God's perfection. That's standard. But what makes me a champion today is Jesus' record. And not only Jesus' record, but who Jesus defeated. Think about it. I can be a boxer and I can be undefeated, but it really doesn't matter a whole lot. What matters the most is not just my record, but who I beat in order to be champion. And Jesus Christ defeated death for you and for me. He defeated hell for you and for me. And because of his record of perfection and because of who he has defeated, I today can say this about myself. And it's the first reality, the first truth of who I am, that I am a champion in Christ. 
I want you to say that with me. Can you do that? Let's say it together. I am a champion in Christ. It's who you are. It's who I am. If I place my trust in Jesus Christ, it's my reality, and I've been given the Holy Spirit to remind me of that reality. I'm no longer on the mat defeated. I no longer have a record of zero and infinity of my sin. I no longer have death as the consequence. Man, I've been given Jesus' record. And because Jesus has defeated my greatest foe, I can say today that I'm a champion, not because of myself, but because of Jesus Christ. I'm a champion in Christ. I love 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57. Like it's on the screen. Would you look at it with me? It says, oh, death, where is your victory? Like, you know what this is? This is Christian smack talk. That's what this is right here. Right? And if you play sports, you know what oftentimes? You talk smack. And this is God talking smack to who we were. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You used to have victory over my children. You used to have sting and pain over my children. You used to want, you used to have had the victory. But because of Jesus Christ, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. That's what I deserve because of my sin. And the law gives sin its power like All I need to do is go through the Ten Commandments and be reminded of the reality that if I've ever forgotten that I'm not perfect, just look at that. Verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I am a champion in Jesus Christ. And I've been given life. It's the reward of being in Christ. It's that spiritual life. Life is a right standing before God. Life is a promise of eternity with him. Jesus is the only way that you can be picked off the mat because of your sin. He's the only way. He says that in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can't be clearer than that. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Paul is wanting us to see today in his word is that I'm a champion in Christ. I need to remind myself of that. When I want to define myself by my accomplishments, when I want to define myself by, my, by the pleasures that I seek, when I want to define myself by the possessions that I have or I don't have, wait a minute, let me bring myself back to the reality because identity shapes reality that I am a champion in Jesus Christ. Christ, and that spirit of life that is working in me, the Holy Spirit that is working in me, though I'm not perfect, I love what he does. He turns that hostility to God that's mentioned in verse 6, and he starts melting it in a tenderness towards God. At one time, I had the wall up against God. I was defensive, and now all of a sudden, I'm finding in my life that I'm less defensive and more surrendered. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And he's the sign that you're a champion in Christ. 
Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have the Spirit. Here's the second thing. Look at verse 11. Paul continues. And it's almost like every verse gets better. Look at verse 11. He says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Here's the second thing. I'm not just a champion in Christ today if I place my trust in Him, but I'm a champion because of Christ. Did you say that with me? I am a champion because of Christ. Like that's who I am. And the reason that I can say that is because of Christ is what Christ has given me. He says that phrase that you see there in verse 11, that the Spirit has given life to your mortal bodies. Through the Spirit who dwells in you. Talking about our everyday life. See, that life has two meanings. In the first meaning, it's implying, listen, here's what I've been given by Jesus Christ. I've been given Holy Spirit power. You're like, well, how great's the power? It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Like, I have access to that power power. Listen, some of you guys right now, and we talked about this at the beginning of, beginning of this series, but I know it's true. It's something that we battle every day, is that we think to ourselves, I can't overcome this. I can't overcome this sin struggle. I can't overcome this problem in my relationship. I can't overcome this dealing with the pain and the unknown with this health issue or whatever it is. And we hear in our heads over and over and over again, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can't. But when I read verse 11 and it says, the same pure power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, that I have the access to that power. I bring myself back 2,000 years ago that when Jesus had his arms stretched out on the cross and in John 19, 30, right before he, he gives up his life, he says these words, and many of you know them, he says these words, it is finished. And three days later, he raises from the grave and if I've placed my faith and trust in him, the beautiful and the amazing and the powerful reality of what Jesus Christ has done on my behalf and what I have in the Holy Spirit is that when Jesus said it was finished and rose again from the dead, he removed I can't from every single believer's vocabulary. So I have no right to say, I can't overcome this sin struggle. I can't navigate through this relationship. I can't go any longer in my marriage. I can't do this. I can't do that. When Jesus said it was finished, he removed the I can't and provided us with the reality to be able to say, I can because Jesus did. I can because now I have access to the Holy Spirit's power that gives life to my body. 
And yes, there's things that we navigate through. And yes, there's things that we deal with in certain situations and and all the nuances of all those things that I mentioned before. But the overriding reality that I need to bring myself back to is I am a champion because of Christ. I don't face situations. I don't face suffering. I don't face struggles saying, I can't. I say, Lord, I know I can because you did. And I have the Holy Spirit's power. That's what Paul's getting at when he says in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, look at it. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know what it's like to feel at the bottom of the barrel. I know what it's like to feel like you're on the mat and you can't get up. He says, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound, man. I know what it's like to be on that mountaintop experience in my Christian walk. And you're just, man... Everything looks new and it looks alive. He says, I know how to be low and I know how to abound. He says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then there's got verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He says, the reason why. I can go through situations that have me at rock bottom. And the reason why I can praise God for the things that have me on the mountaintop. And the reason why I can face every in and every circumstance that I face. And yet have some steadfast ability to endure those things. And to walk through those things. And to have joy in those things. Is because I understand that I can. It's not I can't. I can do all things. Because Jesus has given me the strength to do so. I can because Jesus did, and I have the Holy Spirit's power to walk every day to endure those things. That verse is so much more than what you put on your football cleats. It's a reminder of a victorious reality that as a follower of Jesus Christ, man, I'm a champion because of Jesus Christ. I have the Holy Spirit's power living inside of me. But here's the other side of that phrase. He'll give life to your mortal bodies. It's not just talking about the everyday living, but it's really emphasizing future eternity. See, what Paul is emphasizing is Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit's power, but he's also given the Holy Spirit as a promise for eternity. Like 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says this, we do not lose heart. Like you may be looking at the scoreboard right now and you may be saying, man, we are getting blown out if I look at that scoreboard today because of a situation, because of whatever it is. But Paul says, wait a minute, we don't lose heart. Why? What's our reality? That though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's an amazing reality that I have a Holy Spirit promise for all of eternity. That this isn't all there is. I don't know about you, but I sure don't need to be reminded that my outer self is wasting away. Do you? Anybody in the room? I'm 41 years old, and I know I'm not going to get a lot of sympathy from a lot of you, but I remember a day when my Achilles didn't hurt, tendons didn't hurt. They hurt every day now when I get up. I exercise, and the next day they hurt. 
And I'm like, man, I know I got a lot of miles on these tires from a lot of the stuff I did earlier on. But I'm like, man. I don't know, like, man, we feel so sorry for you. But whatever you are at, whatever it is, Paul's point is, listen, we don't lose heart because this isn't our heaven. We know something's coming better. We know something we have to look forward to. And if we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our real crisis is already over. Jesus dealt with that 2,000 years ago. In the pain of this life, though I'm not minimizing it whatsoever, but the pain of this life is the worst a champion of Jesus Christ will know. See, when I look at this phrase, there's so much in it in this little phrase because it's really God is promising that you're going to be better than you were at your best. And for most of us, that time has passed. Like, think of you at your best. Those of us in the room, think about it when we had hair. Right? Think about when you had abs. Think about whatever it is. When you're an athlete, and you're like, man, I remember when I used to be able to do that. Whatever it is. When you are at your best, and whatever you think your best was, there's a promise that the Holy Spirit is going to give life to your mortal bodies, that God is going to make you better than you were at your best. And there's not an ounce of you that God is going to throw in the trash can of the universe except for your sin. Because there's a promise here that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, that there's a promise that our body is going to be reunited with our soul and it's going to be new and it's going to be better and we're going to live forever for all of eternity. Man, I'm telling you what, the only reason that's possible is because I am a champion because of Christ. It's the only reason. And as we get older in this life, that becomes more and more special to you. 20 years old, you're thinking, I got a lot to do. I remember 20 years old, I was thinking, Lord, please don't come back before I'm married. I remember I used to pray that. Now it's like, Lord, I'd really like to see my kids grow up and get married. And you know why we, we, put, we put like little stipulations? Because we don't really understand how awesome it's going to be. But we know it's going to be. And I'm a champion in Christ. You're a champion in Christ. That's who you are. You're a champion because of Christ. That's who you are. Here's the third thing, and we're done. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says, so then, brothers, we are Debtors, let me stop right there. Because everything that Paul has said, he's like, man, this is our reality. This is the amazing reality. This is our identity. It ought to shape your reality. Think about, let's grow in our understanding of that I'm a champion in Christ. I'm a champion because of Christ. But, but then he's getting at, well, our identity involves responsibility. 
So he says, so then, like there's a response to the amazing reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. See, here's the third thing. I am a champion who lives for Christ. Not someone who's just in Christ. Not someone who's a champion just because of Christ. But because of those two realities, I'm a champion who lives for Christ. Look at, he continues to say in verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. Like there's a responsibility, there's an indebtedness, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, to live a certain way because of who you are. It says, we're not debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And I know our first instinct often is to look and say, well, well then, I thought you said that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that it's not what I can, there's nothing that I can do to earn God's favor more. But when I read this verse, it looks like now all of a sudden I have to do something. No, 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 no. Scripture interprets Scripture. Paul's not going to say that in verse 1 and then contradict it now in verse 12. What he's saying here is if you're someone who says, well, I raise my hand to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, but you live like the enemy. There's no conviction over your sin. You do what you want to do. You live the way that you want to live, and, and there's no desire to do what's right. Then to take us back to last week, you, don't, you aren't a believer. You aren't saved because there's a new mindset in you that when you disobey, there's conviction there. Yes, I can resist it, but there's conviction there. There's sorrow there. I know I'm not doing right. There's a desire to want to get that right. That's what he's meaning. So someone who lives according to the flesh will die because the wages of our sin is death, Romans 6.23. But then he says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, what he's saying is if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there's going to be a desire to want to continue to say no to what your sinful nature wants to do. That desire is there, and it grows, because identity involves responsibility. See, what Paul's saying is say it a different way. It's not enough for us just to say, I have the Holy Spirit. But what helps us have victory in this Christian walk is to say the Holy Spirit has me. Like there's a desire for me to want to submit myself to what the Spirit wants me to do. So how do we live for Christ? Right, that's the question. And the theological term for that is sanctification. Remember how we defined that last week? More of Jesus and less of me. That's the process. I want to say it even in a different way that maybe may help you understand it more. It's these three words, definition, appreciation, and resignation. See, when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, referring to last week, I'm given a new mentality. I'm given a new way of thinking. There's a desire now to do what the Lord wants me to do. And as I continue to submit to what the Lord wants me to do, there grows a desire in me to understand more, there's a growing understanding of who I am now in Christ. The definition of who I am grows. Think about it. Isn't it crazy to see how far TVs have come? Like, I remember growing up in our household, we had this massive TV. You remember when they used to be all encased with wood and everything, and you actually had to go up and change the channel? Well, we had one of those. I didn't live that long ago. That's just the TV that we had. And we used to have this massive TV, and it didn't even work. 
what it actually did is it held up a small little TV that was in black and white. So it was like our entertainment center. And I remember when we finally moved from that bad black and white TV. I had to watch myself there for a second. That bad black and white TV. And we actually went to a colored tube TV. Man, like my world changed. Once again, not because the technology just came out, that just the Pereira household caught up. And then you remember when the bubble TV went to the flat screen TV, and it's like a plasma TV that's like 40 inches, costs like $6,000? It's like plasma TV. It's like you can reach in and you can touch it. And then all of a sudden, it was like that plasma TV is so outdated. Like, I can't believe you have one of those. It's like this thick, and you thought it was so cool. And now we go to LCD TV. Lasts longer. More clear. Whatever it is. Some of you are like, no, it isn't. What? Whatever, it was thinner, lasts longer, whatever it is. And then you go from LCD, and then it's 720 to 1080p. And you're like, it's so clear. And all of a sudden, now it's 4K TV. And now 4K now is 4K HDR, right? And I remember we have a, when we moved in our house, we have a newer TV in our living room, and we have an older TV that we bought that we thought was so awesome six years ago, and it's in the upstairs, and it's like you watch a movie upstairs, and then you go down and you watch it in the living room, you're like, holy cow, I didn't even see that. What's going on? Because the brighter things get, the clearer things get, the more detailed things get. It's like all of a sudden, holy cow, look at the colors of that. Or you walk through Costco, right, guys? And you're like, you go do what you're going to do. I'm going to go hang over here, right? And you're like blown away. Now it's O-L-E-D, which I don't even know what it stands for. All I know is it's crazy crisp. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does with you and me. As I'm growing in my definition of who I am in Christ. I'm seeing clearer as I grow in my relationship with Christ. Man, I'm a champion in Christ. And that desire to want to find my identity and possessions and accomplishments and pleasures starts to wane more and I begin to see who Jesus is clearer. There's a definition that the Holy Spirit grows inside of me and that definition then leads to appreciation. Because it's not just growing and understanding who I am. It's now I'm growing in my appreciation of what I've been given. The man I can look at my life and though I'm not what I absolutely can be in its perfection, man, I'm so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. And I look back and I'm like, God, I thank you so much to be able to see what you've been doing in my life. And that grows in appreciation that I understand of what I have in Christ. And as I grow in my definition of who I am in Christ and my appreciation of what I've been given, then it leads to a desire to want to resign myself to lay down the things that the Holy Spirit convicts me to lay down. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, the things that I counted as gain, I now look as lost to know the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Definition leads to appreciation, which leads to resignation. That's sanctification. You know, last week I gave this analogy of this glove symbolizing us being filled with the Spirit. And you know, this glove right here has the potential and the capacity to be the glove of a heavyweight champion of the world. Yep, the one I bought at Dick's Sporting Goods. This glove could be the glove of the heavyweight champion of the world. But you know what's going to make this glove the heavyweight champion of the world? 
Definitely not by this hand filling it. But it's determined by the one who is filling the glove. And every one of us, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, are given the means to experience victory in our Christian life. But it's dependent upon us to say, hey, I'm a champion in Christ. I'm a champion because of Christ. And that definition leads to appreciation. And I'm all about resignation, man. I'm laying down the things that the Lord wants me to. I want to be filled with the Spirit so that I can experience the victory that Jesus Christ wants me to experience. And I gave you things, these things last week, but I want to give you to them again. And I want to give some more color to it. You ready for this? Let's just go through these. How do I fight like a champion with the mindset given to me by the Spirit? Because we mentioned last week in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says we need to be filled with the Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit when I place my faith and trust in Christ. But it's dependent upon me as I live for Christ to submit my will to His, to be filled, to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week we said what's necessary for that, that we confess our sins daily. Because we're going to sin. We don't say that to justify it. We say that just to be real. We're going to sin. We still have that sinful nature. And it won't be gone from us until we're in glory. But when we sin, we acknowledge it the way that God sees it. We confess it daily. But listen to me. Here's the nuance of it that you didn't get last week. We confess our sin daily. Not out of guilt, but out of appreciation. Lord, I'm sorry for going my own way and looking at pleasures or looking into accomplishments or looking to possessions to give me what I already have in you. God, I confess that sin, and I'm so thankful that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That appreciation leads me to confess. Reading God's word daily, that, Lord, as I'm growing in my definition of who I am, God, I'm so thankful that I get to open up your word every single day, whenever I want, and to read the pages of the one who is my champion. I just don't read it daily because I'm told to. I just don't read it daily out of obligation. I mean, I read it daily out of appreciation. Man, I'm gonna surrender my will to the Holy Spirit's every day and say, Lord, it's your way, not my way. Why? Because, God, I know you're what, you have what's best for me. I'm growing in my understanding of who I am and what I've been given. Lord, I do that out of appreciation. God, I'm so thankful that you know better what's better for my life than I do. I mean, I'm going to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day because I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit gives me what I need to experience victory in all my relationship, in all my struggles, in all my sin. And I'm going to pray for that out of appreciation. And I'm going to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit daily out of appreciation. That I'm going to say, Lord, I'm so thankful that I can walk out of those doors not as a victim but as a victor in Christ. God, I'm so thankful that every day I can get off my knees after praying to you for that filling and get up believing that, Lord, you have my days accounted for and you're going to navigate and you're going to work and those relationships that I have, whether they're strenuous or whatever it is, Lord, I have the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of me. God, I'm thankful for that. My identity shapes my reality. Your identity shapes your reality. And I'm a champion in Christ. I'm a champion because of Christ. And I'm a champion who lives for Christ by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me.